Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 96 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen, another power-packed episode ready to go for you. An article that will uh, be very offensive, which is what we do. Uh, (laughs) And you'll know who you are, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Will they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad, this one is. I don't know why we're doing it. As long as everyone knows that you chose the article, I'm okay. Okay, fine. I chose right, the article. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got that. We've got a great blunder that we're going to talk about, and we'll get into some details probably on the next episode about my trip to Puerto Rico. Awesome trip. I'll give details, but we got a lot to cover right now. Uh, Kurt, how you been? Hey, feeling good. Sun's out. Summertime's here. You're going to get sand between your toes. What, what's better than that? Nothing's better than that. Nothing's better than that. So Sun, sand, surf. Do I find another S? I can't, but I was going to say good food, but we'll find an S there. Super food. (laughs) This is going to be a punchy episode. But next week, the listeners need to know the weight gain poundage. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll have to divulge that. You have to to let us know it's worth every pound. (laughs) Okay, okay. We'll do an update next week. In the meantime, we've got a geeky article moment. Can you cue up the Urkel? All right, Urkel, give it to us. Welcome to episode 96 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen, another power-packed episode ready to go for you. An article that will uh, be very offensive, which is what we do. Uh, (laughs) And you'll know who you are, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Will they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad, this one is. I don't know why we're doing it. As long as everyone knows that you chose the article, I'm okay. Okay, fine. I chose right, the article. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we've got that. We've got a great blunder that we're going to talk about, and we'll get into some details probably on the next episode about my trip to Puerto Rico. Awesome trip. I'll give details, but we got a lot to cover right now. Uh, Kurt, how you been? Hey, feeling good. Sun's out. Summertime's here. You're going to get sand between your toes. What, what's better than that? Nothing's better than that. Nothing's better than that. So Sun, sand, surf. Do I find another S? Uh, I can't, but I was going to say good food, but we'll find an S there. Super food. <laughs> this is going to be a punchy episode. But next week, the listeners need to know the weight gain poundage. Okay, yeah, I'll, I've been You'll have to divulge it. that. You have to divulge <laughs> it. And you have to let us know it's worth every pound. Okay, okay. We'll do an update next week. In the meantime, we've got a geeky article moment. Can you cue up the Urkel? All right, Urkel, give it to us. <laughs> Okay, uh, Urkel is going to be offensive today, <laughs> like we said, and because we like to talk about, we don't want to pull any punches here, but we like to talk about psychology and, and those kinds of things, and this one kind of leads a little bit into parenting. If you're a stay-at-home dad, or if you're a very hands-on dad, Emory University is accusing you of having small testes. <laughs> There's just no other way to say it. No, you uh, just offended all the dads. At least those dads. <laughs> or a, a very specific niche of dads. <laughs> uh, they actually tested this. I mean, I'm not even going to ask how they tested this. That just boggles my mind. <laughs> that was a self-survey or they actually had to see a doctor. But anyway, uh, please do tell how uh, they discovered this. Yeah, or this... tell me 
what professor in their right mind wanted to study this. That's even more interesting. <laughs> yeah, we want to know who got out the tape measure. Is that what you're after? No. Well, not only – well, that is interesting. I, well, not interesting. Well, anyway, <laughs> that is fascinating. But even more fascinating was the person who sat at the table and says, you know what? I think stay-at-home dads <laughs> – where this whole mindset came from to to explore this in the first time. That's what boggles my mind more than you anything. you got to come up with a hypothesis, and somebody's, somebody's mind went there. Somebody's compensating for something and created a study. That's all I'm going to say. I think so. Yeah. Right. So from the article, Emory University, men who are more involved in day-to-day -day care of their toddlers tend to have smaller testes compared to fathers who are less involved, say researchers. Smaller testicular volumes also correlate with more nurturing-related brain activity in fathers as they're looking at photos of their own children, according to the study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Just to clarify, I'm not saying it. It's the Emory University in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So a direct quote from one of the researchers, our data suggests that the biology of human males reflects a trade-off between mating and parenting effort, says Emory University anthropologist James Rilling, whose lab conducted the research. The goal of the research is to determine why some fathers invest more energy in parenting than others. It's an important question, Rilling says, because previous studies have shown that children with more involved fathers have better social, psychological, and educational outcomes. So life history theory holds, that's what we're talking about here, life history theory holds that evolution optimizes the allocation of resources towards either mating or parenting to maximize fitness. Our study is the first to investigate whether human anatomy and brain function explain this variance in parenting effort, says Jennifer Mascaro, who led the study as a postdoctoral fellow in the Rilling Lab. So she was the one with the tape measure, I would think. I guess. Yeah. So I guess the, the whole idea is here that if you're spending time uh, nurturing the toddlers, evolution, biology, I don't know, thinks that you just need to have a smaller setup because you're more on the nurturing side as opposed to the mating side. <laughs> Do I have it right here? I, I don't know on that one. <laughs> I'm not even going to guess. It's just interesting that the second week in a row you've brought up an ACDC song. And, uh, oh, like, hey, out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. That one. What do the listeners think about that? We won't go into deep in that one. That's Last week not about testes. Deep. That's about, you know, like a dance. Oh, okay, like the whatever. the balls of them all. <laughs> a ball is a dance. Oh, all right. Well, anyway... I think there's another one, too, that there's out there, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. I, I just boggled the whole aspect that they wanted to study it, that they did study it, that people showed up to be studied for it. Yep. But, hey, you can't argue with science most of the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> most of the time. So this is this is a thing, listeners. I, I know that uh, many of the men with small toddlers are really just taking a deep look inside right now, wondering, right. you know, where do they stand on this issue? So <laughs> we're going to definitely post this on the blog and on our new swanky Facebook page. Yeah, post it to your Facebook page, see what happens. And feel free to send us hate mail about the article, <laughs> maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. We would love to read your insults about our poor article choice on the air. Yeah, send those to Steve. Yeah, yeah, no, in fact, <laughs> I, I will commit that next week, if we get insults, the very first one that I get, we will read. Um, we will censor it if it is suggested. But <laughs> we'll have to uh, we get a good old bleeping machine so we can get rid of the profanity. Yeah, one of my favorite radio talk show. He's a sports guy on on ESPN Radio. He he does that. He reads the insults that people send, and he just owns it. And I love it. It's great. <laughs> we can own our insults since that's part of the show. Yeah, if we do something terrible, we can admit to it. So. 
We've given a completely useless article, but that's actually kind of interesting. As I read through it, I was like, that's interesting, but I get so many questions, <laughs> so many questions <laughs> about this. So, so many unanswered questions. That's right. That's right. And we've been getting questions too from listeners about the concept of charisma. And this tends to happen in the presidential election. It's a long ways out and it ramps up way too far ahead of time for any of our liking. But we start judging these candidates. There's a lot of candidates on the Republican side, right? There's not, not too many coming out on the Democrat side because many are just kind of assuming that one particular candidate is going to, to take that nomination. But lots coming out of the woodwork on the Republican side. And if you're like me, you're going, that guy? That guy's going to run? Like he's got yeah, nothing. Like I'm thinking, we're really going to have another Clinton and Bush run? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Shoot myself on that. Oh, we're not supposed to talk about politics. But anyway. <laughs> hey, you know what? If that's what we put on the ticket, then we deserve what we're going to get. I guess. I mean, past history. Come on, people. All right. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. We wanted to talk today about the nonverbal characteristics of somebody who is charismatic. Because that's so, so much about it. Kurt, I can't even remember the study. You probably could because this is your thing. You geek out on this kind of stuff. The study that talks about when somebody is evaluating us or our message, X percentage is based on body language, another percent is vocal tone, and another is word choice. Can you refresh us on that as I just gave you a perfect segue into nonverbals of, of charisma? I don't know if it was perfect. It was so perfect. Yeah. I got to do something right after that article. <laughs> Well, the guy you're thinking about is Albert Morebian, and he did a lot of research on that, and he just kind of gauged verbal, nonverbal, and just actually the tone of our voice. And I don't, I'm not going to go into the exact numbers here, but it's always your nonverbal gestures, then your tone of voice, then the actual words you're going to use in that importance, which is interesting because if you're face-to-face, -face, you get all three over the phone, you get two. If it's email, you just get one. So all of them are important, but especially if you're face-to-face, -face, that nonverbal element is huge. So obviously there are some, I, I like to think about these kind of on the opposite angle. You have people who are not charismatic. What are some of the things that they tend to do? Somebody who just has zero charisma. What, what do they do that makes them look that way? <laughs> you mean as far as their nonverbals are concerned? Yeah, yeah. What would somebody who has zero charisma typically do? Well, charismatic people, they're aware of their gestures. They have purposeful gestures. Their gestures match what they're saying, and they're, they're positive. People like them. And, and people are going, oh, I really like their gestures. They mean a lot to me. It's just something that's natural and that's part of them. And so that nonverbal element is huge. And it's actually easier to teach people to tell them what not to do than whether what to do. Because if they have purposeful gestures and they're passionate about what they're doing, they can develop rapport with those type of things. It makes a huge difference. Now, on the flip side, sometimes when we get nervous or tense, we're using nonverbal gestures. We're doing things nonverbally that actually repel people, actually, actually trigger deception a lot of times, and we don't even know it. A simple one is eyes. When you're talking to someone, make sure they're, especially an audience, make sure there's a lot of light. We know this, never wear sunglasses. There's just something about that that has a disconnect for us. And it's important to learn to read people's eyes and to use your eyes in the right way, have the proper amount of eye contact because it'll backfire on you every time when, and these are signs of deception, when when your pupils dilate a lot, that could be a sign of deception, increased blinking, 
decrease or force eye contact. Those are things just with your eyes can do a lot with charisma. In fact, when I wrote The Laws of Charisma, I wrote a whole chapter just on the eyes because we've heard it before. The eyes are the window of the souls. We read people's eyes. People can't look at us or they don't look at us long enough or they look at us too long. That has the opposite reaction and you do not trigger charisma. So you got to make eye contact in the right quantity. So a, a non-charismatic person would be looking at the floor, looking up, uh, not making any kind of eye, eye contact versus a charismatic person would make the the right amount of eye contact versus a creepy person would make too much, right? <laughs> Scientifically, as if you're looking at someone 100% of the time, there's only two options there. You're only... You're very angry or you're falling in love, okay? So you're never looking at someone 100% of the time. Although they've done studies with men and women about the same age, looking at each other's eyes, knee to knee, looking at each other's eyes, and they start having amorous feelings mm -hmm. towards each other. So it's interesting there. The studies, the average is around 70%, but I do encourage you to at least mirror and match their eye contact. You do want to maintain that eye contact and look at their eyes. You can tell a lot from the eyes. Now, a lot of times when we're feeling more emotion, People's dialect, like I mentioned, that could be a sign of deception, but that's also a sign of attraction. If yeah. you look at the magazines when you're checking out, look at their eyes. They've been photoshopped to be more dilated because there's more of attraction. There's more of a connection there uh, physically when that happens. Okay. Okay. That's interesting verbal packaging, amorous feelings. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. All in love. I think there's probably a more street-friendly way to say that, but we'll refrain and let the listeners guess yeah, what that is. You've already offended enough people today. I'm trying to be nice here. Hey, this show's in the gutter. I mean, we've, we've owned that from the very <laughs> We're still beginning. Downward spiral. We we'll keep going. We've got a lot further to go, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Do not have very high standards for this episode. Episode 96 is just just bad. So what is another thing that a non-charismatic person would do? They're just terrible with people. They inspire no confidence or no trust or no leadership. What's another habit that they might have? I'd take a look at the hands. The hands are a great indicator of what others are thinking and feeling and how you're perceived. If you're clenching your hands like a fist, that could be nonverbal. Like you're ready to hit somebody. That can never be good. And a lot of times we get nervous. Or we have decreased hand movements. We might hide parts of our face with our hands. Our palms might become sweaty. A lot of things we can do with our hands that can decrease your perception of charisma. So again, those purposeful gestures, don't make fists, don't play with your hands. You've been taught your whole life not to pull your fingers, right? Don't do that. Just make your <laughs> gestures. Just see if you get that. Anyway, make your gestures. Yeah, I, I got your, your, your <laughs> so alluding to a downward spiral. I mean, I couldn't help it. Make your gestures. Don't come back to your chest or fig leaf or fold your arms. Come back to your hands all the way down. Make another gesture and bring down. That makes a big difference for not only that spontaneity, that connectivity, but also the charisma. Okay, good. You've alluded to hands, mm -hmm. um, also eyes, also flatulence, right? <laughs> no, you said that, not me. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're really trying to make it look like I'm the source of this problem. <laughs> That's right. I'll just, yeah, throw Steve under the bus. Do something. When I was heckling for your public speaking class a few weeks ago, uh -huh. I noticed that stance was a big problem. How people's hips were shifting or where their feet were pointing, they're kind of pacing around. I got I to gotta guess that stance and, and walking around and that kind of nervous behavior is somebody who is not charismatic would do as well. Absolutely. You want your shoulders squared up with the audience if it's more than one person. You don't want to be swaying back and forth. We see a lot of that with public speakers or stepping forward and backwards. 
or pacing too much can make people tense. If you're going to move, I like that. But if you're going to move, own your spot for a while before you move again. But if you keep moving without owning your spot, it makes your audience very tense. Even when you're sitting down, crossing and crossing your legs, wiggling and tapping your toes, when your feet are underneath the chair, those could all decrease charisma. They're actually signs for deception. You might be nervous and do these things naturally. You got to be very careful when you're in front of an audience or even one-on-one, what you're doing with your body and that stance and as a confidence, are you leaning to one side? Are you straight up and down? Those type of things make a big difference if you're going to come across as charismatic or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. When I was learning the art of public speaking, which I still am and always will be, you never, you're never done with that. But practicing your stance and keeping your hands in the box, right, out in front of you. They're not going too high. They're not going too low, right? If the hand goes too high, people think, oh, is he going to hit me? If the hand's going too low, then, oh, what's he going to do now, right? Because we're in the gutter here. We can say that. But <laughs> that stance, when you're practicing, it will feel awkward. Keeping your a square stance and holding still and keeping your hands in the box, it feels weird because of these habits that we've developed over so many years, nervous, fidgety habits with hands and with feet. But you've got to you've got to be able to focus on just standing there, keeping a square stance. And if you're going to walk, if you're going to pace, you take a couple of steps to the right and plant. Right. And then a couple to the left and plant and practice it in front of a mirror. You know, you're doing it right if you feel awkward, <laughs> because that's <laughs> that's not what your body is supposed to do. But guess what? It doesn't look nearly as awkward as it feels. In fact, it actually looks quite charismatic and confident and credible when you are able to do that. That's exactly right. To our golf fans out there, just every time you adjust your golf swing, change something, it feels a little awkward. You haven't done it before. And that's true with public speaking. Most of the things you've learned haven't been the best things. So when you adjust or change something, it feels a little awkward at first, but it doesn't to your audience. And the same thing's true with the charisma. When it becomes natural and spontaneous and part of you, you don't have to think about it anymore. Then you come across as more charismatic and you increase that connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So feet and, and hips, hands, eyes, are there any other nonverbal behaviors that somebody who doesn't have charisma is, is going to exhibit? What are those red flags? Anything else? Sure. I'd go to shoulders and arms. If you keep crossing and crossing your arms, we've heard that before. If your shoulders are turned away from the person, you always want, like I mentioned, so you're squaring up. Your shoulders are tense or shrugged. That will decrease the connection. You can take a look at your head. I mean, what's your head doing? Is it leaning to one side? Are you maintaining that eye contact? Is your face turning really red, which could be a sign of deception, or your ears or your nose, or your dry mouth, biting your lip? I mean, these are little things that we teach in detecting deception, but also have the opposite connection with charisma. And those are some things that you can be more aware of those makes a big difference in that connection. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I know last episode we we joked about the the Dwight Schrute factor and smiling and you know can you do it too much? I, definitely those charismatic people. This is a whole package: the the hands, the arms, the feet, the eyes, and then you blend all that stuff together and you get that smile in there, and that rounds out the charismatic package. It does that eye contact, a good handshake, that all matters, especially the first impression. Because that cement dries fast. You've got to make that first impression in the first 30 seconds, and you've got to watch what you do when you say. You talked about the golf swing, and I think that's such a great analogy for this because 
people that have played golf, I've, I was going to get a golf coach this year because I always just go to the driving range and, and swear and, and try to fix it myself. And <laughs> duh, I mean, what I'm on here saying is get somebody who knows what they're doing to teach you how to persuade. I, I, you'd think I could apply that to golf, but that's true in anything. Somebody who knows what they're doing can teach you a lot faster. But if you go out there and you try to implement five new things into a golf swing at once, it's going to be a disaster. Do you have one of these? Is it eye contact you want to tune up? Is it hands? Is it feet? Is it shoulders? Which one of these is it that you struggle with? And just focus on that one and work on it and work on it. And then it's going to become second nature. That's why you see these very charismatic people that just seem to do everything right. And you go, I could never do all that stuff. They're doing so many things. There's so many moving parts. Well, they took the time to do it. They took the time to make each single one of those things a habit that they now do on a subconscious level. That's exactly right. One thing a week, consciously work on it. Then it will happen subconsciously. Be part of you. Be one of your tools you know how to use. Then you just get out a tool a week or something you're working on every week. It'll make a big difference by the end of the year. And you're a different person. You're more charismatic. You're more influential just because you took the time to not only listen to this podcast Mm, and go to Influence University, but you took the time to mentally work on a tool a week. How's that for a plug? Like that's, that. that's a ninja plug. <laughs> that's right. You're the ninja of the week with that. <laughs> we don't plug it too much. You really should go to uni- influenceuniversity.com. Lots of great stuff there. Lots of great tips. Free stuff, too. We're not just shaking you down for money here. That's right. Most of yeah. it's free, and then the good stuff's less than the cost of a Honda Civic, which we haven't even mentioned for a while. It is. It's still. We haven't even raised it to above the cost, the cost of a Honda Civic. <laughs> Inflation's going to get it there eventually. Eventually, it'll get you. There's yeah. our scarcity. Go. <laughs> How about we cue up the Homer? Homer, go. Here he is. Go, go, go. I'm going to give you specifics next week, but uh, I had the great pleasure, for the most part, of staying at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And, you know, the Ritz, it's not a dump, right? It's kind of got that good branding of being a nice place. And for the most part, that was true. It's not the people at the Ritz. It's not the the front desk and the the maids and the hotel staff and the restaurants and everything. It's just the overall business thing, and it's not exclusive to the Ritz. The Marriott's and the Sheridan's and the Weston's and the Hilton's and everybody. You've had this happen to you, Kurt. If you book a hotel and you use Expedia or Hotwire or Orbitz, you are dirt. (laughs) Right? I mean, I called ahead of time to try to get some up. I, I, I wanted to give them money. And like I said, I don't. this isn't on-site people. This is a corporate policy that is clearly uh, coming down from the top at all of these places. It makes me mad. I was going to use another word, but we've been in the gutter enough on this podcast. But clearly there's some kind of mandate from on top of if somebody comes in through Expedia or Hotwire or whatever, they are a second-class citizen and don't give them anything. <laughs> I wanted to actually pay for a candlelight dinner on the beach. I-, I wanted to give them money, cash money, American dollars. And in reality, I didn't care what it costed because it was my 10-year anniversary. And you would think that if I was to say, it's my 10-year anniversary, we're at the Ritz, here's a bunch of money, do stuff for me, no problem. We're the Ritz, right? Well, it was a problem because I came in through Expedia. <laughs> And I actually did get what I wanted because when I got to the hotel, I happened to be lucky enough that I'm fluent in Spanish and I use my own charisma and the language to say, hey, you know, get me these things. And and they did it. But 
from the corporate level trying to call in and get some things done, even when I wanted to get them money. Nope, you're a second class citizen. Shame on you for booking through Expedia or, or I mean, yeah, I think it was Expedia that we booked through. That's the blunder. That's lame, guys. Treat your customers well. You know, lame. Get, do something. Expedia orbits your second class citizen. Hot wire your dirt. I mean, yeah. lower than dirt. <laughs> I've I've used it before. Last minute thing. Oh, I'll find a hotel. It's a three oh three four star hotel. Really cheap. You show up. Like oh, you're hot wire. <laughs> Can I use my 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 point? No, you can't get any points. You're hot wire. Yeah. Now I've realized hotels have hot wire rooms. The ones with the stains. The ones at the mm-hmm. very very end of the hall. And I th- first I thought yeah, this is too much as a coincidence. But I've used it before quite a bit when I was traveling quite a bit. It was saving some good money, but you don't get points. You do get the hot wire room. You get the one in the corner or the very back or the one with the stain or the one with the smell. So, yeah, I would say, guys, if you're going to use this, if you're going to give a consumer the option to take a cheaper choice, you still got to treat them that way because I'm still paying top dollar for a lot of these hotels that I'm hot wiring. They treat me bad here, but good here. It gives me mixed signals, so definitely Homer of the week. Yeah, and we know that we're... You're trying to save money. That's why you went through Hotwire or Expedia because you, you do get on the hotel's website and you see some of the price. And you're like, oh, come on, guys. I mean, you're, you're a nice hotel, but you're not that nice, right? And that's what drives people to Expedia or, or Orbitz. And we get it. Maybe you're not going to get the credits for the night state or the points for the night state or something. You're giving up something. And whether this is true, Kurt, or not, we perceive it as consumers. And that's what matters, right, from, from the people who are running the business standpoint. But we just feel like, you know, you're kind of taken on every front. I'll tell you what it doesn't do, and I think this is what they think they're accomplishing. I think what they're doing is they go, okay, this guy's going to go. He's not going to get the points. He's going to stay on the 13th floor all the way at the end of the hallway by the fire escape and the room service that's clanking around all night. And he's going to go, hmm, next time I will go to Marriott.com and I will book directly and I will pay the extra $30 a night. I don't know about for you, Kurt, but that's not what I do. (laughs) I just say, I'm not going to that dump again. What do you do? It depends on the situation. Now, when I want to be on site on the property, that's where I'm speaking. I mean, usually they're booking it. That's where I want to be. Sometimes I just need to be in a certain area in a decent hotel. It would be a hot wire thing. So yeah, but I don't think, oh, they treated me bad and didn't give me points. Next time I'm going to book at their website. Doesn't even phase me. Actually, it has the opposite effect. Say, wait, wait a minute. You treat me this way. I stay here all the time. Yeah. And pay full fare or top dollar or whatever you want to call it. And But this time I found a different route and through another source and you're treating me this way. It seems odd. Yeah. If the person doesn't have a choice, I mean, that's one thing. I had to take a flight when I went on my fly fishing trip a little while back. Take a flight from Butte, Montana to Salt Lake City. Delta Airlines is the only airline. I mean, this air terminal in Butte, Montana is adorable. It's like a house, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you get on that plane, there's one flight down to Salt Lake, there's one flight back, and that's it. And they could have treated me like dirt, and I got to put up with it to a certain extent because that's my only choice. But sometimes it's not. And in this instance where it's not my only choice, you're not driving me to go pay a little bit more at the website next time. You're driving me to go elsewhere. So... You're going to have some people begrudgingly just do what you want them to do because of that. When people feel like they're getting fleeced, I just don't think that it's a long-term viable business model. They need to feel happy to spend the money. They need to feel like they're being treated well, even if they wanted to save a little bit. It's just got to be a better way to handle this. It just rubs me the wrong way. 
Yeah, and it only seems to be hotels because the airlines, and I guess probably because the flight attendants don't know, like, oh, you're on the budget. <laughs> you only get one peanut and one piece of ice. So maybe it's just knowing. They don't know in the airlines. Yeah. Maybe they would treat you that way. Oh, bonus <laughs> fare. I'm not even going to look at you. Okay, I'm walking away. Yeah, so. it's just got to be a better way. Yeah. Sir, peanuts. Pre- oh, wait. You booked through Expedia? Never mind. That's right. Oh, you're one of those. Here's a piece of cardboard to chew on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't even look at me. Don't even talk to me. You get nothing. You can't yeah. even use the restrooms. Yep. So just sit there. I know the, the on-staff side at these hotels, they work hard. And the ones that I was with, they did a great job. It was everything that you, you could have dreamed of from a high-end chain like that. It's the uh, people uh, higher up that uh, you know make you feel like like dirt. So not cool, guys. You get homered. Homeward for you. That's what you get for that that crap. So I, I you know, maybe their stock's gonna go down three hundred points when we yeah, release this please. show. What do you think? Go short. Yep. Go <laughs> short. <laughs> um, we are not uh, trying to participate in, nor are we advocating any kind of insider trading or pump and dump <laughs> scheme for our friends at the SEC who might be listening. I don't own any, nor do I intend to short any of that uh, stock. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There's our legal <laughs> disclaimer, so we don't get in trouble again. We're in trouble. Here's legal this. disclaimer because of the friggin' lawyers who are on our insult list on a regular basis. That's right. Yep. Okay, Kurt, anything else to add before we wrap it up? Just be aware that every gesture that you're doing can attract or repel the person that you're talking to. Okay, everybody, thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us uh, on our Facebook page, Maximize Your Influence, and also on Twitter. We've got links to those on the blog. You can check there. And we will always post the releases of new shows, horrible blunders, awesome stuff that you can check out because all the cool kids are doing it, and we're cool. There we go. Okay. Proclaimed as cool. I like it. Yep. It's official. Proclaimed as cool. We'll catch you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Catch you next week. Bye.